0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. As you well know, the U.S. Senate has acquitted President Trump of both impeachment charges brought against him by the U.S. House of Representatives. Senator Mitt Romney was the lone senator to break party ranks when he voted to convict the president on the first impeachment charge. And today on the program, we're going to look back on this historic impeachment and look forward to the presidential election. Our guests will include Associate Professor Mike Lyons, Professor Damon Cannon, and Assistant Professor Robert Ross, all from the USU Political Science Department. And we bring in now Salt Lake uh, Tribune Washington Bureau Chief Thomas Burr. Thomas Burr, welcome back to the program.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, and we'd love to know what you think about the impeachment, ongoing presidential campaign. Uh, this is uh, historic times, and uh, love to get your comments. You can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, Upraccess at gmail.com. We already have an email from Cassie. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, we're on Twitter at UPR Access, at UPR Access. You can call us to 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. So, uh, Thomas Burr, you're... You've been in Washington through this whole thing. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway?
1: You know, it it, it started and it ended uh, exactly, I think, as we saw uh, expected. Uh, in many ways, uh, I've been I've been using this analogy. It's it's like uh, it's like watching a football game when you already know the score at the end. It's just a question of uh, you know how the plays are going to go and how many overtimes we're going to see. Uh, it's been a very divisive time in Washington, uh, as we all know. Uh, and having an impeachment has always uh, adds something even more to that. Uh, Mitt Romney's uh, decision yesterday, I think, kind of uh, surprised some of us. And, uh, but along the way, we, we all knew that uh, the House was held by Democrats, was going to uh, controlled by Democrats, was going to impeach the president, and the senator, controlled by Republicans, was going to acquit him.
0: Um, and in the middle of all this, in fact, before the final vote, we had the State of the Union. So there, there's some huge theater there, uh, heightened by, I guess, the historic elements.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I, I had a front row seat in the, in the gallery uh, just uh, over, uh, over the Senate chamber. And, and I've, I've covered State of the Unions for 15 years now, and uh, this was a, a fascinating one to watch. Uh, the President of the United States uh, impeached by, you know, half the body pretty much sitting in front of him. Uh, senators who are weighing their decisions on whether to uh, quit or convict him. Uh, and the Chief Justice uh, of the United States uh, sitting right there as well, presiding over the trial.
0: Uh, so, big news in Utah. In fact, big news nationwide. Senator Romney's uh, decision uh, to convict on the on the first count. Um, Do you? I think you had a chance to talk to Senator Romney.
1: I did. It was it was it was a fascinating uh, um, lead up to this in many ways. Um, obviously, I've been uh, stalking the senator in the hallways of, of, of the Senate for uh, you know several weeks, and you know, occasionally grabbing him for comments. And uh, he, he's been fairly consistent the entire time. Uh, he really, even before it started, wanted to hear from the former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Uh, he, uh, we, we talk more about that in a minute, but he, he voted for uh, for Bolton to testify and to have witnesses in the Senate trial. As we all know, that didn't happen, and uh, uh, there were no witnesses in the actual trial part, other than you know depositions and testimony from people that testified in the House. Uh, and Romney. Uh, uh, his office uh, told me that, you know, after pressuring them, they gave me some time with the senator uh, yesterday morning around uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time, uh, and I walked in kind of not knowing what to expect. I had written some questions of you know, uh, my assumption. Well, he'll probably go with uh, where Susan Collins went or Lamar Alexander and say what the president did was wrong and inappropriate, but but not impeachable, uh, and that was just kind of uh, where I thought it was going to go. Uh, but I'm glad I also prepared a couple questions for. What uh, eventually happened, which was, you know, I walk in, I shake the senator's hand, and I said, so how are you going to vote? And he says, I'm going to vote guilty on Rule 1, uh, the first article, uh, which is abuse of power uh, brought by the, the House. Uh, it was um, obviously kind of a, a big moment in Washington, because up until that moment, it's been uh, very very much down the party line, uh on Republicans defending the president, Democrats uh going after him. Uh and Romney uh didn't come to this lightly. Uh he's uh he was telling me how he, you know, had a hard time getting to sleep, and that he was up at like, you know, before 4 a.m. Uh, for several weeks. He uh, really took this uh, this position as a, essentially a juror uh, in the Senate trial very seriously. He researched uh, all of the impeachments. I think there's been 16 that have happened in the, the course of the United States uh, history, uh, and he's researched all of those. He asked very substantive questions uh, when the senators were allowed to ask questions, uh, and he said at the end of the day. Uh, their the, the preponderance of evidence. Uh, there was there was no no doubt in his mind that the president had done something he, he believed uh, was was an egregious abuse of power to personally benefit h- him and politically benefit uh, the president.
0: Mm. Now, uh, uh, reading your story, he he said that uh, he wanted John Bolton to testify. He was looking for exculpatory evidence. He he wanted to not get there right.
1: Yeah, he wanted a way out, uh, and I, I was kind of surprised because I think, uh, you know, myself and other journalists have been covering this for a while. <clears throat> kind of looked at that as, oh, he wants witnesses because, you know, he wants kind of the full testimony and he wants to see if, you know, Bolton can corroborate some of the stuff the House managers were saying, the prosecutors were saying uh, during the trial. But what Romney told me is he actually wanted Bolton to, to, to give him a way out. He wanted Bolton to come in and say... Well, you know, it wasn't that clear-cut or, you know, it wasn't necessarily a quid pro quo that this is just talk, whatever he thought Bolton might say. Uh, At the end of the day, Bolton did not testify. Uh, Not sure how that would have affected Romney's decision, but Romney had uh, the evidence to, he had to judge on the evidence presented, the arguments presented to him in the Senate trial. Uh, And remember, he came into this very much saying, I'm going to have an open mind. I'm not going to prejudge it. I take this out very seriously. And we should also talk about how Romney really, um, uh, you know, looked into his soul, into his faith in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and how that uh, really uh, kind of underpinned uh, his decision ultimately that he swore an oath under God to do impartial justice, uh, as he told me. And, and at the end of the day, he felt like he had to do that. He, it was in his conscience that he had to vote
0: guilty. Mm. Uh, Senator Romney, I think, is is very cognizant of the fact that he he is going to experienced uh, pushback, right? Um, president, yes. president Trump in the prayer breakfast this morning, I heard the reports on NPR this morning, um, he, he said he, he doesn't like people who hide behind religion, in his view. <laughs> Romney is saying he's very sincere, and that his religious faith played into this.
1: Yeah, no, and in fact, I mean, yeah, what the president said was, uh, you know, I don't like people who use their faith for justification for doing what they know is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a clear shot at, at Mitt Romney. He didn't say his name. Uh, it was also an extension of uh, what we saw on Fox and Friends this morning, which, of course, is the president's favorite go-to uh, morning show, uh, where uh, the, I think it was Brian Kilbead on, on Fox and Friends, who, who, who kind of went after Romney, uh, didn't use the word Mormon uh, at all, but you know went after, like, oh, you're going to you know, essentially hide behind your religion as justification for this vote. Um, and, and we might see more of that. The president's speaking in uh, less than an hour now, um, and he's going to... Uh, you know, talk about, I uh, assume, take a victory lap on, on the acquittal. Uh, but I don't think the president's going to walk off uh, from the event without uh, without going after Romney.
0: Mm. And we'll have that statement uh, right here for our listeners at 10 o'clock, so stay tuned. Um, by the way, did you, uh, have you talked to Senator Lee? Is he talking? He he voted the other way.
1: Uh, Sen- uh, Senator Lee uh, definitely voted the other way. He went into this already saying that, you know, he wasn't coming mm-hmm. in with an open mind. He he didn't believe that the the case should have even been brought uh, to the Senate that uh, he didn't believe the president did anything wrong. Um, and, and he tweeted um, last night, I think he was one of several members of the Utah delegation who were quick to distance himself from Romney. Uh, you know, Lee tweeted, uh, you know, congrats to Trump for, uh, you know, his acquittal, looking forward to five years in office, of course, that's assuming Trump's reelected. Uh, and uh, this was Lee's exact uh, statement. Those who voted to remove you were wrong, very wrong. Um, Not not so uh, secret hit at at Mitt Romney, right there.
0: Hmm. Now uh, it's interesting. um, Senator Lee was was not a fan of President uh, Trump early on. He seems to have come around.
1: he was not. He didn't. Uh, he didn't actually vote for uh, the president in 2016, uh, according to him. And uh, that's changed. Uh, he's now co-chairman of Romney's re-election campaign in Utah, uh, and he has been a big supporter of the president. Um, you know, they have uh, had a, a bit of a victory together, and they both passed the uh, the first step act, which was uh reforming the somewhat the criminal justice uh, system for for sentencing for drug crimes uh and and so uh yeah lee is now a pretty big supporter of the president and we should look at this uh from from uh, the the poll world too because just for the record, uh, President Trump right now is, is actually polling better in Utah than Mitt Romney is, and actually um, better than, than Senator Lee is. Trump has, uh, has spiked a little bit. Uh, our last poll from the Solid Tribune in Suffolk University uh, had uh, Trump at around a 57% approval rating in Utah. That's, uh, that's 10 points higher than he actually got uh, in uh, you know, when, he, when he ran for office uh, in, in 2016, uh,
0: the vote from Utah. So does that? I don't know if you broke that uh, that poll down by religion. Uh, it seems like members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, um, even Republican members of the Church, were having some heartburn with with Trump. Do you, do you think that uh, some more of uh, of uh, you know the Latter Day Saints have reconciled themselves to Trump?
1: You know, there's uh, there have been some polls, and this isn't very recent, but there have been some polls showing that uh, actually among religious groups, uh, people who ascribe to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, give the president the, the biggest uh, performance rating, uh, the biggest approval marks uh, of any faith. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and when I've talked to that and kind of drilled down with uh, with, with people I've talked to in Utah, uh it comes down to people who say you know they may not like what he says they may not like like some of the, you know his language or how he acts uh but the policies uh when it comes to judges to tax cuts to uh, re, you know redoing trade deals those are things that that, that that people in utah are are supportive of uh but this is going to be the interesting test and i don't know how this plays out maybe some of your political scientists there yes you can help me with this but how does this confluence of uh, you know, uh, Mormons who, who like Trump, but then they have a senator from Utah who is Mormon who uh, says, I'm using my, f- I'm looking at t- to my faith and making my decision based on, you know, I'm a religious person. Uh, how does that square? Uh, when Trump goes after somebody of faith, uh, being the Mormon faith, uh, how does that square with their support for the president? I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll have a panel of political scientists come. We'll so hold that question, Thomas. Uh, so
1: um,
0: mm-hmm. uh, how do you think this will affect uh, Senator Romney's standing in Utah? The president's polling better than Romney is right now.
1: So that's the uh, that's the interesting part. We'll see. Uh, I, I think that uh, we have to remember Romney isn't up for re-election uh, until 2024. That's a long time. A lot of green between here and, here and, uh, and then. And uh, we're not even sure Romney's going to run for re-election. Uh, Romney's 72 years old. He wouldn't hint at it yesterday when I talked to him, whether he would, uh, seek reelection. Uh, so it's a long time and maybe this isn't even an issue, uh, when it comes down to a reelect should he choose to, to do so. Uh, you know, he probably takes a hit, uh, for the next little while, because this is something that, uh, is very much on people's minds. Uh, you know, this isn't a simple policy issue. They may disagree with the, the Senator on this is a pretty big, uh, pretty momentous moment. Um, and And I guess uh, the other day people were gonna have to choose and, and and say, well, you know, clearly Romney's vote didn't matter in the end uh, just because it was uh, a, a 48 uh, 52 uh, with Romney the, the acquittal was a majority of the Senate. Uh, the president was clearly not even close to being removed from office. Uh, but the vote uh, and and the attacks that Romney's facing already uh, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's it's gonna there's gonna be some fallout and Romney knew that there'd be some repercussions
0: uh let's uh, let's take a break when we come back we'll uh, bring in um professor robert uh, ross from the usu political science department later on uh, damon can from the political science department and michael lyons as well and we'll keep thomas burr with us uh, thomas can you uh, stay with us through the hour i guess we'll have you as long as we you got it okay great um uh, appreciate good. your perspective from uh from washington so let's take a break and we come back much more we'll have a couple of comments as well we'd love to know what you think uh, this has been historic, it's been uh, uh, <laughs> polarizing, it's been fascinating, um, and I'd uh, love to get your comment uh, now that impeachment is, is over. Um, the places you can uh, get to us, uh, upracess at gmail.com, our email, upracess at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at UPR Access, at UPR Access. You can call us, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. More following this. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're responding to the impeachment. The president was acquitted on all charges yesterday uh, in a historic vote. This process has been, of course, historic. Only uh, two other times has an impeachment gone forward. With Richard Nixon, of course, who was threatened and he resigned. Uh, But uh, the last time was 20 years ago. So this is very historic. And uh, we're in a presidential election year as well. And uh, we'd love to know what you think. We're getting reaction uh, from an analysis from Thomas Burr, who's uh, Salt Lake Tribune Washington Bureau Chief. And uh, now we bring in uh, Assistant Professor of Political Science at USU, Robert Ross. Uh, Professor Ross, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I understand you. Uh, you... One of your areas of expertise, constitutional theory, mm-hmm. I guess. So you look at the, we look back at the history. So we'll be talking to you here about Federalist Papers. Perfect. Uh, I always carry a copy good. with me. Good. Excellent.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, but I, my, my favorite is uh, Federalist 65. Just oh, for the that, that, Fed, that
2: Federalist one is 65. Okay. Yeah, that's earmarked, and, I yeah, it's ready to go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so,
0: I want to get in a couple of comments uh, from our listeners uh, before we go to. and in fact, uh, Senator Romney has referenced Federalist sixty five, right? Thomas Burr and then and and that he has he he's been poring over the Federalist papers is uh, trying to make this decision.
1: Absolutely. and then, and then I think the reason we'd raised sixty five is what is the one where we specifically talk about impeachment.
0: Yeah. Uh, so so hold those thoughts. Um, so this is from Cassie. Cassie emailed us uh, opinion on impeachment Romney's verdict. Cassie says, I rarely give my opinion. In our world today, you're either with or against someone, and any expression of deviance from the common belief guarantees you'll be marked as one of them, quote-unquote. I'm proud of Romney, says Cassie. He listened to his heart and did what he believed was right, even if it was against the popular vote. He gave me hope that this country isn't about which pack you're a part of, but who we are as individuals. Out of everybody in the Senate, I believe that he put the most thought into his vote. I'm not sure what Trump's acquittal will mean for the future of America, but I do believe that Americans will be more divided than ever before. Uh, Everyone now has a new notch in their belts that they can point to as they question the sanity of uh, the other side. Uh, Thomas Burr, uh, um, it has been polarized. It's probably even more polarized now than before impeachment.
1: No, absolutely, not. and I, again, I go back to the point of uh, Romney made his decision knowing the end it wouldn't matter that the the being 47 or 48 uh, senators voting guilty uh, wasn't going to remove the president, uh, and he still made that choice. Uh, he's uh, he, he's trying to you know in some way, set himself out as I'm a statesman and I'm going to do what's right no matter uh, you know what's going to what's going to happen to me in the end, uh, and 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 Romney's in a position to be able to do that, right? Uh, he. Just, just one year into a six-year term, uh, he's already got a huge you know, following in Utah nationally. Uh, there could be repercussions, but uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. He's had a long career. This isn't something he's looking for, a higher office. Uh, this isn't some platform he's trying to use to, to go somewhere else.
0: Just a reminder, you can, uh, you can email us with your question or comment, upraxis at gmail.com. We'd love to know what you think. Now at the conclusion of this historic impeachment process, 800-826-1495 is where you can call. 800-826-1495 at gmail.com the email, and we're on Twitter at upraxis. Patrick in Ogden called, didn't want to uh, go on the air, but he said, I'd just like to say, I've uh, never been so impressed with the righteousness of an individual as I've seen in Mitt Romney. I'm not a member of the church I'm a gnostic and uh, or agnostic I'm not sure. he's a gnostic. Yeah. Uh, my producer says, uh, got that right, he's a Gnostic, and I'm going to join the church because of what he did. I'm just stunned. It moved me to tears. So that's Patrick, who was very impressed uh, with uh, Senator Romney's uh, decision. Then we had a caller who didn't want to go in there earlier, but noted that one of the big arguments during the trial was that Democrats were trying to remove a president who'd been elected by the people. However, President Trump lost the popular vote and was only elected by the Electoral College. And uh, the caller uh, seemed to want to know if we could eliminate the electoral college. What we could do about that? Um, so, well, let me turn this to Robert Ross.
2: Yeah, I, I think all, there's a kind of a common theme in all of those those comments, and I think it points to how these this process was originally supposed to function. Um, what and, and and the Electoral College as well that this this largely was supposed to be a nonpartisan institution both the Electoral College and the impeachment process and it's 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 interesting to hear people kind of applaud Romney for doing the nonpartisan thing and and that was the original design of the of the impeachment process to begin with um, and the reality is is that it's become very much partisan uh, the Electoral College has become very much partisan and yeah to eliminate the Electoral College uh, I mean I think the 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 primary way would have to be a constitutional amendment to to correct or change the elect uh, the presidential selection system. The other option uh, that's kind of has been gaining traction lately is this national popular vote compact among states, where they are just going to pledge that they'll uh, give their popular or their their electoral college votes to the popular winner uh, once a certain amount of states sign on to that. Um, I, there's there's very little incentive for some states to join in on that uh, especially when they have a pretty large influence on the presidential election and um, I, I have my doubts that there will be any substantive changes to the mode mm-hmm. of presidential selection in the future uh,
0: Thomas Burr uh, this argument of sour grapes we heard that a lot from the Republicans that uh, it's just and from from the uh, Trump's defense team they use this a lot that uh, Democrats just don't like the way the election went. They've never liked Trump, and they they're looking for an excuse.
1: And sure, there's there's a lot of that feeling out there, uh, and and you can see from um, from the president, if you want to take a second and step in his shoes, uh, you know, since he's been elected, there have been you know investigations and probes. Uh, of course, every president faces those kind of things, too. But, you know, of course, we had, you know, the FBI investigation and the special special prosecutor. <clears throat> um, and then, of course, uh, you know, the, the, the Ukraine situation. Uh, they have felt like they're under attack all the time. Uh, you know, uh, as Robert can uh, attest here, too, one thing we have to keep reminding people that um, – you can't undo the election of 2016. It's uh, it's not like uh, Mike Pence would become president if Trump were removed. Uh, this is not taking Republicans out of power at the White House. It just would remove uh, President Trump, and now we know that's not going to happen, uh, at least this time around. Uh, it's... Uh, it, it is a constant thing you're going to hear, and I think we'll hear from the president again in just a little bit. Of He believes it's been a, a witch hunt and a sham from the start, and just Democrats, or if you want to believe Senator Mike Lee, the, the deep state, out to, uh, to get the president.
0: That's what Senator Lee is talking about, the deep state?
1: That was his his uh, his, his speech uh, yesterday on the Senate floor. Uh, he believes there's a uh, you know an unelected, uh, unaccountable fourth branch of government, uh, essentially bureaucrats who who don't like uh, Trump and were doing everything uh, they could to try to get him uh, impeached or removed from office. Uh, that goes back to you know uh, the concerns about who was the whistleblower and and what did uh, did he or she know and were they coached? Uh, a lot of those were, were were theories that were brought out, conspiracies that were brought out. Uh, Uh, during uh, in the House and in the
0: Senate. Uh, So, uh, Professor uh, Ross, uh, we've all been getting a a re-education, right, in Constitutional and and, uh, Federalist Papers. Senators are talking about this, and and uh, Federal Sixty Five has been pretty prominent. Uh, so, it's, tell us a little bit about Federal Sixty
2: Five. Yeah, well, I, I think the big the big question that that is kind of on people's minds, and I think this stems from Trump's legal team and Dershowitz's argument that the president can't be impeached if it's not like a criminal activity. And can we impeach the president for a non criminal behavior? Um, and Trump's legal team said no. And so I think that that's kind of raised the big question, of well, is that, is that true? Um, and I think if you go back to Federalist 65, uh, Hamilton's explanation uh, for, uh, for why the impeachment power was lodged in the Senate, uh, I, I think it's very clear that, that Hamilton had a different view than, than this view that you can only be impeached for criminal behavior, um, that the you know, violation of the public trust which doesn't require criminal behavior, was a key component of, of kind of Hamilton's discussion of, of the impeachment process. Um, and I think if you go back to the Constitutional Convention, ratification debates, I think it was very clear that uh, the, the view was that maladministration was a term that was, was thrown around a lot when thinking about um, impeachment, and that doesn't necessarily require criminal behavior. Uh, Madison, in a debate in the House of Representatives, makes an argument that if the president removes a good officer – that's an impeachable offense, uh, and that's that's not criminal. That's just maladministration, and so I think that's the kind of the big question and interest of of, of why we've returned back to some of these, uh, some of these things. But I think one of one of kind of Hamilton's most prophetic and interesting arguments that he makes in sixty five is that the, the the real problem was we don't have a good body to lodge the impeachment process in. Um, you know, can we put it with the Supreme Court? Well, the problem is that the a president has appointed s- Supreme Court members, and so would it be an impartial, uh, you know, um, impeachment process? Do we put it with the House? Do we put it with the people? It seemed like the Senate was the best place to lodge it. But he, he kind of had this prophetic uh, belief that that the impeachment process would never go along according to whether or not the president was guilty or innocent, according to the rules, and 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 that it would always turn into a partisan uh, battle, and that. Uh, that the, the the people would either you know be upset at the president or align themselves with the president and it would it would be ultimately determined by party um, and and so I, I, I kind of read Hamilton is is hinting that the, the impeachment impeachment mechanism may not be well designed and may not be a, a good way uh, particularly as it's it's designed now to to remove a president who has abused power which again is another very broad broad and vague term, but um, that that as a legislative check on the executive branch, the impeachment process might not be designed to, to fully function the way it should. Um, I, Tom, if I can yeah, jump yes, in here yes, real go fast. Ahead. Um, mm-hmm.
1: um, you know I'm, my last name is Burr, and us Burrs don't uh, historically <laughs> get along with uh, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, but it was interesting to, uh, to note that I talked to Senator Romney yesterday about this. Uh, he was he was very clear that uh, he didn't believe that high crimes and misdemeanors meant you had to have an actual criminal offense uh, to have committed one. Because, uh, as we all recall, uh, there was really no criminal code when the Constitution was was written. Uh, high crimes and misdemeanors, I believe, came from uh, uh, you know. Very British uh, background. Uh, and there's also, uh, you know, uh, people close to Romney point out that there are crimes that, that they're, they're not crimes you can necessarily say. You can't uh, list them all out of where, uh, you know, a president could go wrong. Say a president uh, all of a sudden says, you know, anyone who doesn't believe with me needs to be expelled from, you know, the Republican Party. That's not a crime necessarily, but it might necessarily be an abuse of power. And that's where uh, I believe Senator, uh, Senator Romney came down.
0: Um, and you, uh, you talked to Senator Romney. I read other pieces as well. Um, he he did dive into the Federalist Papers. Of course, other senators, senators have as well. This is up to interpretation, right?
1: Absolutely, uh, and that's where it came down to. Every senator had their own choice here. Uh, and Romney told me he respects other senators who you know disagreed with him and came to a different uh, decision on on impeachment. Uh, Susan Collins and Lamar Alexander, for example, were uh, thought of, uh, and Lisa Murkowski were thought of as possible votes uh a few others I could easily mention that were, were maybe on the fence a little bit uh, he respects that where they came down the end is is their choice because that's that's literally what the Constitution says it's, it's up to the senators if they don't have to there, there's not like jury instructions like you have to decide if this is this then you know then why uh, that's not how it works
0: uh, so professor Ross uh, you were saying Alexander Hamilton admitted the impeachment mechanism was going to be flawed right uh, I've been reading some uh, liberal leaning columnists in the aftermath of this, saying, Well, th- this process proves it uh, president's never going to be convicted and removed. Now that's, you know, you might say these are Democrats who are disappointed, you know. Um, I-, I wonder what you think. it's it's uh, I mean, it's never happened. The removal's never happened
2: right. and and I mean, even i mean the 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 Clinton impeachment proceedings was very much a partisan. Uh, proceeding. Uh, going back to uh, the very first rem- uh, impeachment vote for, for a president was Andrew Johnson. Uh, Republicans were upset at a, at a Democrat president, uh, particularly for wanting to remove this uh, and actually removing the secretary of war. And I mean, channeling kind of that Madisonian, that's Mal administration, uh, very much a kind of a, a, a partisan process. And yeah, I think if, if this becomes a partisan process, unless a party is capable of, of capturing two thirds of the Senate, then, then we may not see an actual removal uh, of, of the president, which essentially gives the impeachment proceeding and process very little teeth when it comes to actually functioning as a congressional check on executive power. Mm.
0: Um. So uh, I wonder, what, Professor Ross, what what do you what's your big takeaway here? You've this is this must be great fodder for you as a scholar,
2: right? Um. You know the the problem is that this is only you know our third kind of impeachment. So there's there there there's great takeaways from this, but in the end, you know our our, our sample size is only three, which is oftentimes hard to to um you know come to any definitive conclusions on these types of things. But I I think one of the big takeaway is that um we we have to decide how to to view the impeachment clause of the constitution do we interpret it so narrowly that we can never impeach an actual president uh or do we impeach it or do we interpret it so broadly that we start impeaching every president? And, and my, my sense is that the, the right answer is, is somewhere in between that um, that I, I think that we do need to maybe take impeachment and this power more seriously, uh, sp- specifically as a means of checking the nature and scope of executive power within our constitutional system. And honestly, uh, you know, if, if, if the system functioned the way it was, and, you know, all senators, you know, were like Romney and voted their conscience and not their partisanship or, uh, you know, that in, in, in that regard, and, um, then, then Trump may may have been removed, but then again, so have many many other presidents probably should have been removed as well, um, especially if you use this abuse of power as a as a very broad uh, check on the president. Um, Thomas Jefferson, Louisiana Purchase, um, Abraham Lincoln with suspending habeas corpus, FDR. I mean, you, the list of presidents is long of those who could potentially have been subject to impeachment based on. On this type of abuse of powers. And so uh, I think my big takeaway is that I think impeachments can be very valuable for thinking about executive power and where we would like to draw the lines um, on on what the executive is capable capable of doing, uh, the, the downside being that it has become such a partisan um, spectacle that I that I don't know if there's much to be gleaned from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Burr, um, I think the popular... Um Uh, perception is okay. There wasn't much being done in Washington before impeachment. Certainly not going to be anything accomplished now. I don't know what the mood is in Washington.
1: Well, you know, I'm assuming that Congress will still nibble around the edges on some things. I mean, at some point, we have to pass some budgets or at least continuing resolutions to keep the government.
0: Looks like we've lost uh, Thomas. Um do do we have uh, Professor Lyons on? Okay. Uh we'll we'll try we'll reestablish with uh with uh Thomas Burr. Well, let's bring on uh, Michael Lyons if we can, um who is associate professor of political science at USU. Uh Professor Lyons, do we have you? We we don't. Okay. Well, let's turn to uh to Professor Ross. Uh in in studio here. Um, th- this I wonder what the founders uh to that you know the, the, one of the things they worried about was partisanship, right?
2: Right um, you know and and the the general consensus is that the Constitution was designed to work against partisanship. A lot of the uh, institutional features were supposed to mute party competition. Uh, but the, the reality is partisanship emerged quickly in government, and the Constitution became became interpreted in very partisan terms. Um, but yeah, I, I think that on, on the fundamental level, at the original institutional design, the executive was supposed to be nonpartisan. That was the whole point of the Electoral College that would disband. And, uh, and, and so when it came to re-election, it was a new body that would be electing the president, and therefore the president would not be beholden to any you know, legislator or group of people uh, for for an evaluation of their job performance um, and that yeah they, they tried to, to, to make it as nonpartisan as possible um, but once parties uh, emerged and controlled state legislatures being able to allocate electoral college votes it became a very partisan process of how to um, how to distribute electoral college votes most parties that were in the minority had a very different view of how to distribute electoral college votes than those that had a majority in the in the uh, in the in the state, and so um, I, I think at this point it we we can't really bemoan and and wish for kind of the nonpartisanship that was uh, expected at the constitutional convention and in some of the the ratification debates, um, but just kind of recognize that the partisanship has become an important part of of American politics and, uh, you know, there may be maybe an opportunity at, at rethinking certain constitutional designs to account for partisanship now. Is there a way that we can think about the impeachment uh, provision in partisan terms to make it effective uh, as, as what it was intended to do uh, despite kind of the, the, the clear partisan nature of of politics?
0: It mm. uh, sounds like we have uh, Thomas Burr back, do we have you back?
1: I'm here. I don't know who I was. I guess I was talking to myself for a little while there.
0: Sorry, <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I can't remember what the question was um, when we when we cut you off, I think.
1: I, I'm, I'm not uh, sure. Oh, it was, it was uh, it know, I, Washington. I so, so let's, let's
0: move on. Washington, was Washington going to get anything done? Now Washington that, yeah. gridlock, yes. Um, so, uh, and, and I believe we have uh, my clients on. Professor, do we have you on? Correct. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Thomas Burr, anything else you'd like to, or maybe repeat your answer on, on gridlock?
1: <laughs> I'll repeat it on the air for everyone now. Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, as I was saying, the, uh, there's not a lot that gets done on election years in Congress anyway. Uh, they'll nibble around the edges uh, when it comes to things they have to pass. For example, we're going to need a budget at some point uh, to keep the government running. Uh, but I don't see any substantive uh, substantive issues uh, legislation getting through when uh, President Trump and, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi don't even talk to each other, uh, can't shake hands. Uh, it's it's not like there's going to be some uh, some some big infrastructure bill that's going to pass. Uh, not 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 right now.
0: Mm. Uh, so, Michael Lyons is associate professor of political science at Utah State University. We have him now on the line. Uh, let me, since you've just joined us, uh, Professor Lyons, let me g- get your just your overall uh, takeaway from this whole impeachment process.
3: Well, I certainly agree with everything that my uh, good friend Professor Ross has said about the entire process, uh, and I lament the degree to which the entire thing has become so highly partisan. Um, I, I I think what happened at the State of the Union Tuesday night was, I wouldn't say a national disgrace, that's an overstatement, but it, it certainly was not a healthy thing on either side. And, um, I wonder where we're headed next with any of this. And I will say, uh, beyond what he said, that, um, a process that is openly political, uh, such as the Europeans have, a vote of no confidence, where there's no pretense of the need for a constitutional violation or a high crime, but it's just political and everyone understands it's political, a process like that might make sense
2: for the United States. I, I, I think I, I, so, uh, despite Professor Lyons saying that we agree on things, I actually disagree on, on, on this, this point because the entire idea of executive independence was a, a key feature of America's constitutional design. And if you have a vote of no confidence from, from Congress, that just makes the president beholden to the body of Congress for his, his tenure in office. And, and if, if, I, I just don't know if that would be good politics to make the president a creature of congressional will if they can just have a vote of no confidence if, when they don't like what he's doing.
0: Professor Lyons.
3: Well, I, I would agree that uh, I, it clearly has a downside, but clearly the impeachment process appears to be broken. Not that I necessarily agree that President Trump should have been removed from office. Uh, like Professor Ross, I've done a little bit of research here on what the framers had in mind, and it's fairly ambiguous. Uh And I'm not sure entirely applicable to President Trump, but I just wonder, down the road, what do we do when we have a truly incompetent president in office? Do we just uh, live with that year after year, especially in an era of nuclear weapons? Um, So I'm not happy with the status quo, let's put it that way.
0: Let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll bring in Professor Damon Can as well. We have uh, Professor uh, Robert Ross, Assistant Professor of Political Science, Assistant Professor of Political Science uh, Michael Lyons. We're going to bring in Professor of Political Science Damon Can, And we have on the line uh, Thomas Burr, Washington Bureau Chief for the Salt Lake Tri- Tribune. Before uh, Anything you want to add, uh, Thomas Burr, before we go to break?
1: No, I think this is a fascinating
0: discussion. I look forward to more. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. We'll bring in uh, Professor Can and conclude uh, and uh, there. We'll have about uh, 10 minutes or so of discussion. We'd love to hear from you. We've had uh, several comments uh, so far. Love to get your comment on this historic impeachment process. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of change gears and look uh, to the uh, presidential campaigns that are ongoing and uh, get out our crystal balls as well. Um, this is, uh, a, a discussion on access, Utah about impeachment and now looking forward to the election. Uh, here's the way you can reach us 800-826-1495, or you can email us upraxcess at gmail.com Upraccess at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at UPR access. More following this. Thanks for listening to Access Time, Tom Williams. We reached our last segment now. We're reacting to impeachment, to looking ahead to presidential elections. And we'd love to know what you think. We've had several comments so far. Love to keep that going. You can reach us by email to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at upraxis, at upraccess. Uh, What do you especially think about uh, Senator Mitt Romney's uh, vote? Profile courage, or misguided? Um, Senator Lee voted the other way. What do you think about that? What do you think overall uh, about the impeachment process and the result? Of course, uh, President Trump was acquitted on both uh, charges yesterday. He's going to make a statement top of the hour here, 10 o'clock. We're going to have that here on uh, Utah Public Radio. Um, so we now bring in Professor Damon Kahn, Professor of uh, Political Science at Utah State uh, University, to join the studio. We have uh, Robert Ross, who's Assistant Professor of uh, Political Science. On the phone is uh, Michael Lyons, Associate Professor of Political Science. And uh, also on the phone, Thomas Burr, Washington Bureau Chief from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Damon Can, I've been asking everybody as they come in, uh, just your overall takeaway from the impeachment process.
4: Well, boy, uh, this has been a really fascinating chapter of American political history to watch unfold. Uh, and uh, the the words that I'd use to describe it are probably political theater. Uh, we knew uh, when we looked at this process, uh, I, I think that Nancy Pelosi knew when she started down this road uh, uh, in the fall uh, that uh, where the votes were at, and that unless something seismic took place, Uh, the outcome was somewhat predictable. And so, uh, uh, as I discussed this with uh, another individual this morning, I thought, you know, knowing uh, the direction that this was going to go. Mitch McConnell knew where this was going. Nancy Pelosi knew where this was going. uh, Lots of folks knew where this was going. Uh, The strategy then becomes for both sides, what can they do Along the way to inflict the most damage on each other, and I, my, my worry is that at the end of the day, uh, the side that uh, both sides inflicted the greatest amount of damage on our political system and our ability to sit down and engage with each other and engage in civic dialogue, uh, civil civic dialogue, and uh, it's just been uh, a challenging time for the country. And I, I hope that uh, uh, as this election unfolds, uh, that. It produces some candidate uh, whether it's one of the existing ones or, or, or uh, new ones or, or a, a batch of candidates in our House and Senate elections uh, who can put some of this bitterness and divisiveness behind and, and uh, try to unite the country
0: mm-hmm. Thomas Burr I wonder and maybe in conversations uh, you know off the record I don't know uh, what are you know what are people in Congress? saying about that? Are they worrying about degradation in, in democratic uh, norms? Are, are they worried about the polarization?
1: Well, let me start with the, you know, the on-the-record on the conversation I had with several senators, including, uh, you know, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell yesterday uh, about Romney's vote, uh, you know, cause, because there was a push, uh, I think the president's son, uh, Donald Trump Jr., uh, message that, you know, that uh, it was... A tweet, something about how Romney should be expelled from the Republican Party, uh, and I asked, you know, Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, how long is is Mitt Romney going to be in the doghouse? And he, he responded, uh, you know, there are no doghouses here, and, and the next vote is the one that matters. And so, you know, as much as you know, Romney may be a little bit of uh, pariah for a while there, uh, he he's, he's he's still a Republican. He still votes eighty uh, percent with the president's position, uh, and, and we're not really going to see that change. Uh, the question of whether uh, you know how Washington's going to you know find its way going forward uh, is always one I think we see it's 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 not like you know partisanship is a new thing here in Washington uh, certainly some people are uh, the, the the town's a little bloodied and uh, a little sore from uh, from the fighting that's been going on uh, for the past several months but again it's an election year uh, there's going to be more coming uh, and we're not all going to be just you know singing kubayas soon.
0: Mm-hmm. Robert Ross, if you you know we look back in history, we've we've had bitter, bitter, bitter periods, and probably worse than this. I, I guess is that I don't know if that reassures me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's, it's just the reality. Um, yeah, I mean the the even towards the end of Washington's administration, you know the great revered George Washington that everyone's was supposed to love bitter partisanship emerged uh, there was huge outcry over the Jay Treaty that he he negotiated and and, and newspapers started printing about how Washington had you know completely debauched the, the, the country and there's vehement hatred towards him. Uh, and that's part of the reason why he wanted to, to step down. He's like I'm not gonna like <laughs> who wants to do this um, and and that just kind of introduced you know bitter bitter uh, bitter partisanship rivals uh, in elections um, and, and I think that that's largely been the norm and not the exception in American politics.
0: Hmm. I want to – we just have about five minutes to the end, so I I, I do want to turn to the election. (laughs) We're in election year. Mike Lanz, um, how do you think this this debate in the Democratic Party uh, gets resolved, Uh, moderates versus progressives, electability versus, uh, you know, principles, progressive principles?
3: Well, it's difficult to assess where uh, the Democratic Party stands right now and how it will go forward. Uh, certainly there is very, very strong sentiment uh, to remove, to defeat President Trump, no matter what it takes. And um, if Joe Biden had performed better in the debates and had a stronger candidacy all the way around, I think we would see rallying behind Joe Biden at this point. But frankly, his performance has been disappointing, and it was disappointing in Iowa. And you just wonder what direction the party uh, is headed here as we move into the uh, primaries uh, towards Super Tuesday. One thing I want to mention, Tom, is I did the math. And in 2016, Donald Trump won the Republican nomination against the wishes of certainly most of the Republican establishment. And with the support, with the votes cast in a primary or in a caucus of only 6% of the American public. And so I think part of the issue here is the nominating process we have in both political parties that tends to power empower political extremes and other dissatisfied, intensely opinionated people, and give us candidates who... Lack broad appeal for the electorate as a whole, mm. and potentially we are headed down that road again in 2020 as the Democrats move towards uh, resolving their nomination. Uh,
0: so, uh, Professor Can, Professor Can, we just have about a minute for this. What uh, same question to you? What do you any you know put on your uh, future sight glasses? What's what's going to happen with the <laughs> what kind of candidate does the do the Democrats nominate?
4: Well, I I think the Democrats are trying to figure that out right now. And uh, the winnowing process is very difficult to predict. Uh, A lot of the reasons for that have to do, uh, as we narrow down from uh, from, you know, a larger number of candidates after this election, there's probably after the Iowa caucuses, there's probably only, uh, five or so viable candidates left where support goes from other candidates as it channels into these others. I think that's going to have a lot to do, uh, with the outcome. Can, uh, will there, will it be, uh, Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden or, or Michael Bloomberg that draws kind of a mass of, of more mainstream, uh, and moderate democratic voters behind them? Uh, Or is Bernie Sanders going to ride momentum uh, from a a fairly successful performance in Iowa through to a projected successful performance in New Hampshire and ride this train all the way to the nomination uh, again, as, as Professor Lyons identified, leaving us uh, with uh, a nominee again, as we saw in 2016, uh, that based on the small but intense voices of a few people in the fringes of the party, uh, uh, ends up with nominees that that uh, people in the core of the party aren't necessarily pleased with.
0: Mm. And just have about a minute left. Uh, Thomas Burr will give you the last word. I'll just note uh, before we give you the last word. That uh, Utah's uh, moved up. I think we're part of Super Tuesday now.
1: It is. March 3rd is uh, where uh, when Utahs are going to go to uh, the polls, and it uh, will be interesting to see who Utah picks. Last time, uh, I believe it was Bernie and uh, I think Ted Cruz. Uh, so, uh, one thing I think uh, I always should count all the votes for every election because then we'll all be winners. <laughs> today, right? uh, uh, and finally, let's, let's not forget that uh, while Trump is a very divisive figure in this country. Uh, Among Republicans, uh, he is is very much beloved in polls. You look at that; there's a strong base for. uh, I'm sorry, did I say Ron Trump? Uh, Trump is a very like beloved among the Republican Party. Trump has a huge uh, support among that, while Democrats uh, are kind of uh, kind of eating themselves up uh, during this process. So uh, just remember, going into it, uh, Trump has a huge base. Democrats have got to get theirs uh, coalescing again.
0: Well, we're out of time. Uh, very much appreciate everybody uh, being with us. Uh, Thomas Burr, Salt Lake Tribune, Washington Bureau Chief. Thanks for spending the hour with us. Thank you. We'll look for your reporting uh, down the line. Um, uh, Michael Lyons, Associate Professor of Political Science at USU, has joined us on the telephone. Uh, Michael Lyons, thank you. And he's he's left us. Um, <laughs> Professor Damon Kahn uh, uh, from the USU Political Science Department has joined us to do. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Robert Ross, Assistant Professor of uh, Political Science. Thanks. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Access Utah.